Ben, hello. Julia. Today, mm-hmm. really one of my most favourite parts of the I world, I have is. to say. Mm. Yeah, the wild, wild west mm-hmm. of the United States. Mm. Um, states like Montana, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming, Arizona and New Mexico. They're extraordinary places. So much to see, so much to do, so much interesting culture, including the Native American culture, mm-hmm. which is all I know you have a keen interest in that, yeah. Oh, Deserts, uh, mountains, just country, city, and driving is mm. absolutely sheer delight. Yeah, I just think of sort of wide open spaces, incredible national parks and monuments, and and American Indian culture, and and of course Grand Canyon, Las Vegas, all kinds of things to see and do on the road over there. I'll talk a little bit about why I love it in a minute, but what mm-hmm. about you? For me, it's probably a bit of that kind of pioneering spirit yes. feel, you know opening up the west of the US was really important and and of course there are some amazing cities in that part of the world so for me what I guess took me into that uh, part of the US was a road trip from California so from LA through Las Vegas across the Hoover Dam to go and see the Grand Canyon and then we just kept heading east through well sort of southeast initially through New Mexico into Texas and beyond, but um, and just an incredible part of the world. Beautiful landscapes and vistas, immense amount of sky, and of now, course those huge things like the Grand Canyon. I think I think the couple of things we're talking about is the Hoover Dam. Hmm. Apparently, they poured concrete twenty four hours a day for some extraordinary amount of time, a couple of years. Yeah, it's a pretty to, amazing structure. It's one of oh, those enormous pieces of infrastructure yes. that was built during the Depression yes. by Roosevelt and. Um, um, you know, the, all the uh, associated buildings next to it are these beautiful Art Deco structures. And it's just the scale of it is is huge. I mean, it's not particularly long, but it's immensely tall. And if anyone's old enough, they might, I think, might have to check this, fact check this, but I think it was the dam in the first uh, Superman movie. There you go. That uh, that he, uh, you know, uh, collapses and then he he, uh, he repairs single-handedly. That's a good boy. Yeah, using his superhuman strength. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of movies, you have to do, uh, you have to say thank you very much to the Western movies that we've all mm-hmm. seen, those mm. great Westerns, because they did give us an enormous amount of knowledge about those places. I remember that movie, The 310 to Yuma, which was, I think, about a train and right. whatever was happening there. I don't remember the movie exactly now, but when I went to Yuma, it was so hot, but mm. just amazing. It was sort of like being somewhere famous and it had nothing mm. to do with anything other than the movie. Yeah, right. But um, other parts before we go to the main ones, are, there's a there's a place called um, Lake Havasu City in Arizona. Do you know about Lake Havasu City? Not Oh, it's initially. it's out in the middle of sort of nowhere, mm-hmm. and it's not really anything of any consequence. However, there was a an American who went to London and fell in love with the bridge over there, the Tower Bridge, famous Tower Bridge, famous Tower Bridge, yeah. and he bought it, and he he's, oh. he was going to have it transported back to Lake Havasu <laughs> City, but he accidentally, without knowing, said, "I would like to buy London Bridge." A different bridge altogether. Different bridge. Well, just a flat bridge, London mm. Bridge. So mm. when they delivered it to Lake Havasu City to cross the little river there, <laughs> it was- There were a few the, pieces missing. There were, well, and the odd tower. Yeah, exactly. um, heartbroken yeah. as he was, but mm. there it is, London Bridge across mm-hmm. the lake there at Lake Havasu City, and it takes you from sort of nowhere to not much bigger. Oh, right. And okay. there's also a, a London phone box there. Oh, that's and cute. I think if for memory yeah. serves me well, a cab. Yes, he was just taken with it. Well, maybe they threw those in 
just to help mask the disappointment of the purchase. <laughs> yeah, added value. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, you know, from there, um, uh, the road trip up to Las Vegas was pretty extraordinary. You are in desert country. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But Las Vegas for you, uh, describe Las Vegas. Kind of um, absolutely seductive and repulsive at the same time. Or You know, I don't know how else to describe it, but um, um, hard to take your eyes off it. Um, like nowhere else, and just uh, uh, just I don't know, I don't I don't really have the words. Well, to, because to you're looking it. at a mini Eiffel Tower, which yeah. is just extraordinary. Yeah. And then you are you can, if you want to, go on a gondola in Venice inside a building. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And there's any amount of things exactly like that. Buildings that are just extraordinarily lavish and amazing, with water fountains that are beyond. Yeah. But with all that. Uh, and, and there's beauty in the architecture, beauty in the gardenings, beauty in so much there. With all that, it just sort of—I don't know what it is—but you just think, nah, Las Vegas is not really for me. Oh, but it, you know, it's uh, never yes. been more popular, and and, and, and it has really it. diversified, and families are going there now. Yes. It's really, you know, and it, it does attract a huge market. Wonderful, wonderful shows and food. You know, every food, celebrity yes. chef, yes. you know, imaginable. That's right. There. One thing I went—I was there, and um. The night before we left, one of the enormous new casinos was due to open. Yes, and they were pouring the concrete curbs out the front. And wow, I did go that and was scratch, late. I did go and scratch my name in there. Oh, well done. I would love to know if it's actually still there. Well, you get better go and have yep, a look. That's one good reason to go back. Yeah, um, I'm going to take us to New Mexico. Santa Fe, which is an, an adobe city, mm-hmm. which means most of the buildings you know are um, sort of yellowy coloured clay with yeah. beautiful timber poles mm. holding everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, and such a, an Indigenous culture there, such an American Indian culture there. And they have around the square in, in Santa Fe every day the Indian markets, Indian jewellery markets, so they're all there. Can imagine where you oh, were, Julia. Gee, mate. Well, American Indian jewellery for me mm. is just beyond a whole bunch of tribes. The Navajo is particularly beautiful because they mix silver and turquoise and coral. <sighs> uh, extraordinary place. But also there's there's an enormous amount of art and there's the Gallery of Georgia O'Keeffe there who's very famous oh, wow. yeah. for being one of the, uh, probably the most prominent Southwest American artist. And she was a great friend of... Um, D.H. Lawrence, and I'm not sure that everybody knows that D.H. Lawrence was actually buried in Taos in New Mexico, not very far away from Santa Fe. Um, And when you go and visit where he was buried, it's just sort of like in a group of pine trees up up there somewhere, which is not where you expect D.H. Lawrence to be. Mm. Uh, But that part of the world, it's like another country. It is like another country, isn't it? Well, and it feels it's got all those influences as well. There's a, yep. a you know, a, you know, my recollections are there's a, you know, even a Spanish influence there that's quite oh, strong. Yes. Plus that indigenous culture yep. and and then modern America. And I remember it being quite posh. Is that right? Is Santa Fe quite posh? Oh, it ca- it can be. It's mm. it's just it's it's a like you said a coming together of cultures, but it's mm. just that extraordinary beauty because it doesn't look like anything else. And of course, Albuquerque, Ben. Yeah. Oh, Albuquerque. Yeah, I didn't even realize that was a real place until I was a young adult. Because I just it was always in Bugs Bunny cartoons. He was oh. always trying to turn left at Albuquerque, and I imagined it was made up. A, well, there, there you go. go. No, yeah. and 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 a um, also a filmmaking center, Albuquerque. Oh, yeah. Breaking Bad was made there, and uh-huh. I think there's a few other things that have put it on the recent map. Right. Though, um, I feel like the entire region 
has been on the silver screen and the TV oh. screen for decades, right? So head off to Arizona. Been there? Yes. So the big ticket item there really is the Grand Canyon, right? Yes. Have you you've seen it? You can't die. You must mm. not die till you've seen the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, is there anything more naturally spectacular on the planet? It's right up there. Um, yeah. yeah, right near the top of the list, if not at the top. And it, 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 you know, it's that cliche where people go, you know, you show a photo and go, oh, you can't really get the scale of it. The photos don't do it justice, and that's absolutely true. It's uh, you have to see that the scale of it and the depth of it and the incredible tones and colours that um, change throughout the day for for yourself. It's amazing. I think the depth as well, the depth of it and the yeah. length of it is yeah. also what is so spellbinding about it. But the, the other thing that happens to you when you get to the Grand Canyon is it's very spiritual. Did you not get a great sense of of calm and meaningfulness there? And you can understand why, again, to the American Indian culture, um, it was such an important place. Yeah, I think it's just the scale of it and you just yeah. feel so, so small next to that thing. Oh. And I was there, there was just a, a dusting of snow all over it as well. So that just added a beautiful element to it. Freezing, freezing cold, sitting there up on the rim of the canyon um, and, yeah, just pretty astonishing. You can Quiet. fly over. You can yeah, take- I, did a, I did a helicopter ride, yeah. and uh, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and I remember the pilot going, put the headphones on because we've we're piping Kenny G music through the <laughs> headphones. <laughs> what was did that make it twice as good? No, I took the headphones <laughs> off pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. It was too much saxophone. Well, you can of course take the mules down into the canyon yeah. and you can camp there and do all those mm. sorts of things. But there is another canyon nearby called Canyon de Shay, oh. spelt S uh, spelt C H E L L Y. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nearly as beautiful, also very spiritually wonderful. And the other small fact is, however, however amazing the um, canyon is, yeah. there's a canyon in Oregon that is deeper. Oh, wow. Yes, and you have to see that one by air because it's so extraordinary. Oh. Maybe not as big but it's deeper. Yeah. But the other amazing thing in, in Arizona, of course, is Phoenix and have you been there? Yeah, stopped into Phoenix. Pretty sure I stayed in a... Motel that was owned by John Wayne at one point, which was pretty cool. I think we may have stayed in the John Wayne suite. I think you're making cool. that up. Not making that up, Julia. Did he Did he come from that part of the world? Well, I guess so. He was always on a horse out there somewhere, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. He was. <laughs> yeah. was he always on in Phoenix on a horse? I think this John Wayne remember. International Airport is out there somewhere. We'll have to look that up. We have to look that up. Mm. Well, he certainly was over in the Utah, uh, in the yeah. Yuma part of the world, yeah, like, right. all those cowboy areas. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about Phoenix is uh, some amazing amount of golf courses for one city oh, because really? it's quite flat and beautiful. Mm. A lot of <clears throat> glorious growth in Phoenix, yes. And Are you a golfer? No, I'm not a golfer. You're a skier though, right? I am there's a skier. plenty of skiing in this part of the US? Yeah, they, I haven't skied there, but in, there's there's beautiful ski um, areas outside Taos uh-huh. that you can go to. So when you're in Santa Fe, that's a, one beautiful thing to do. But the other thing about Phoenix is it's it's full of horse studs. Huh. I think it's um, uh, – and, and you're driving through extraordinarily beautiful streets with wonderful homes, you just – Deliriously gorgeous neighbourhoods, mm. um, and uh, you there's you go past one stud after the other. Right then, if you are an American Indian jewellery lover, yeah, there is a place called Scottsdale, okay, just outside of Phoenix. You is cannot heaven, imagine the mm. amount of jewellery stores that there are there. Mm. 
Just so, yes, it is heaven. The one place I would like to go is Utah. Have you been to Utah? I haven't been to Utah, but it's nearby, isn't it? Yeah. It's, but, but dream destination in Utah, Monument Valley. For yeah, me. right. Yeah. So, like, um, again, um, I'm, I'm imagining similar, I guess, countryside, beautiful national parks, canyons, gorges, that kind of thing. So, so here we are talking mm. about what we've done over there. But if you're one of our listeners um, and thinking, why would I go to those areas? What would make me want to go? And what, what are the rewards going to be? Uh, what would you be saying? Well, I think the, the uh, an obvious kind of attractor, something you would base an itinerary around would be the Grand Canyon. From there, it's easy to tack on Las Vegas or head, I guess, north into Utah or other parts of the world. But I th- for me, it's that, um, I mean, ideal for a road trip, get in a car, head out onto that open road. Some of those roads are, you know, not very Ridiculous, busy. aren't they? They're yeah, gorgeous. They're yes. beautiful, beautiful roads. Straightest. Pull into small towns, stop into a diner, have some enormous meal, you know, and um, chat to the locals and just see where some of those adventures take you. Well, it's sort of it's it's surprising that you have heard of so many of those places because of all those movies that mm. we've watched over the years. But the other nonsensical thing that you can do in the states, which is just the best, is you can get yourself a ridiculous car, mm-hmm. like you can hire yourself a Cadillac, or even if you're really adventurous at this stage of our lives, yours and mine, Ben, you can get yourself a Harley Davidson and Ooh. go that way okay. on the roads, which would be pretty incredible too. Yeah, but easy certainly, style. oh, yeah. certainly. Um, a road trip would be the best. And I think despite the fact that places are far away from each other, every time you reach your destination, you just love it that you're there and you're mm. going to want to stay as long as you can before you move on to the next and you'll think the next one is not as good, but they are all incredibly different and mm. incredibly wonderful. Do, you, I, do, just, do you find it difficult driving on the Right-hand side? No, it takes no. you, what, half an hour before yeah. your brain switches over. Yeah, I and then, that's about right. Yeah. Then when you come home, the trouble <laughs> begins, you know, go yeah. around the roundabout the yeah. wrong way. So listeners, yeah, don't don't be um, afraid of that. Get out no. there, get behind the wheel and go. Um, I, I would, if I was suggesting to anybody, I'd put down Taos and Santa Fe, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Certainly Phoenix. Um, Las Vegas, you sort of have to do. Totally compulsory guilty yes. pleasure. Absolutely. Yes, it yep. is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Red Rocks of Sedona in New Mexico are extraordinary too. They are seriously wonderful red rocks and you are, again, immersed in history. Um, Albuquerque. Mm. But then, of course, there's also um, Colorado that we haven't even talked about. Yeah, right. Have you been? No, that sounds like skiing territory to Aspen's me. in mm-hmm. Colorado, mm-hmm. Vale, uh, Beaver Creek, which are truly world wonders in terms of skiing, but mm-hmm. there's also Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. which is a very, very beautiful city mm-hmm. and it's got um, it's got an airport that has sort of a tent like. Yeah. Have you seen it's it? Quite it's quite a like, famous airport. Yeah. Oh, it's and it's wonderful to fly into Denver because of, it's, it looks like a whole lot of teepees, to be right. perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and Denver itself is, is really wonderful. But if you've got a couple of weeks... And you probably need two weeks, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking and looking at the map that, I mean, it's relatively easy now to fly from Australia into, say, Dallas. Yes. And it's been easy to fly to California for a long time. Yep. So connecting those two dots with a car through two to three weeks, unreal. Saddle up, Ben. Oh, saddle up. Giddy up, Julia. Let's go. Okay. Happy days. Ben, today we're in one of those sublimely beautiful parts of the world mm-hmm. 
And to talk about it, we'd like to welcome Selena Sinclair to the show. Selena is the Global Market Specialist at Utah's Office of Tourism, Ben, and is going to talk to us about all the amazing things we can do when visiting that very exquisite part of the world. (laughs) Selena, thank you for being here with us today and going to be telling us all things beautiful about Utah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, Selena, Utah um, is one of those places that all kinds of incredible experiences. There's uh, national parks and amazing lakes, very kind of outdoorsy experiences, and let's not forget the mm-hmm. incredible skiing. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what um, what a visitor might experience in Utah throughout the year? So I would say for me, for the ultimate experience in Utah that we're really focusing on right now is kind of the shoulder season time period of travel, because those visitors have the opportunity to combine the elements of our Northern Alpine and our Southern Red Rock. And so it's this unique opportunity where you could spend half of your trip on the ski slopes in the Northern part of our state, and then take a quick, easy drive down South where you can be hiking amongst hoodoos and really temperate, nice winter weather. And so I think through our discussion today, you'll kind of see what I mean about, you know, the combination in Utah. So what time of year would, would the shoulders be? Um, so especially if you're really wanting to hit um, the ski resorts as well, mm-hmm. I would talk kind of that like March, April time period. Great. So it's end a spring skiing effectively. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Now, when you talk about down south, the the rock country, can you give us a bit of a picture of that? Yeah. So in the southern region of our state, we have what is referred to as the Mighty Five National Parks. So that's five parks that are located within Utah's borders. That's Arches, Canyonlands, Capitol Reef. Bryce Canyon, and Zion. And so these parks are in great proximity to one another Mm -hmm. so that a visitor could experience multiple parks in a single trip. Wow. That is is a single trip, not uh, three or four days. I would recommend a minimum of a week. If you're going to try and really get a good full picture of Utah, minimum of a week. Um, There's also kind of a misconception, I would say, when people are planning their trip that because the parks are so close to one another, they must look the same. Mm -hmm. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Each of these national parks are individual from the way that it was formed to the surrounding environment and even like the color of the rocks. Wow. Could could you describe um, a couple of them for us? Yeah, definitely. So I think our most iconic is Arches National Park Mm -hmm. and that delicate arch. It's a standalone arch formation uh, that you can hike up to and you don't see the arch until you turn the last corner of the hike. So it's really like you're it's and you have so much anticipation and you're going, did I miss it? I mean, I (laughs) think it's I should be able to see it by now. It's quite obvious. And it is once you turn that last corner that it almost just takes your breath away that, you know, there it is and it's just emerged out of the earth. It's really spectacular. Interesting that um, you mentioned that, Arch. Sorry for interrupting you, but we've we've been talking about coming around corners and seeing things and um, apparently you do that when you come around the corner and see under an archway to the very first vision you have of the Taj Mahal. And it's similar when you do it in Rome. You come around the corner mm-hmm. and there's St. Peter's. And the other one is when you come around the corner and you see the Parthenon. So now we have this as well mm. to add to yeah. that list of coming around corners and just having your breath absolutely taken out of your body. 
I like putting delicate art on that level with the Parthenon and the Taj Mahal. <laughs> I think that's very right accurate. <laughs> Hey, yeah. um, I, I, I sort of feel like Australians are becoming more and more uh, familiar with Utah. Are you seeing more Australians um, visiting and how are they actually, how are they getting there? Where are they, where would be the most obvious arrival point for a visit to um, to Utah? Yeah, so right now um, we are seeing really the easiest entry point being um, in direct service to Los Angeles and then a quick, easy pop over to Salt Lake City from there. Mm -hmm. Another additional aspect that's worth considering when planning your trip is the fact that Las Vegas is actually 90 minutes outside of our first gateway entry point into Utah. That is the town of St. George. So for those kind of looking at just focusing on the southern part of our state, they may want to consider access into Las Vegas. So that's driving in from Las Vegas. So great, a great road trip. Yeah. And when we're talking Utah, I mean, we're talking road trip. So yeah, 90 ah. minutes drive from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Are they those wonderful straight roads that we see in movies or, uh, and, and it's pretty much desert country, would it be from, from Las Vegas across to St. George? Yep. Yeah. So what you're going to be traveling on is not only kind of those, those really standardized United States interstates that we're known for with the wide roads but you're also going to be traveling through utah on um, scenic byways and those are roadways that have been designated by our state as well as nationally for their scenic beauty so whether you're traveling on um, any of the utah roads passing through you know you're going to be having beautiful landscaped views that aren't obstructed by billboards or anything else now, how extraordinary! And and when we talk about you know the the roads that we see in movies, what about movies from Utah, Selena? Just update us on how famous it is and how much we should be dancing in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So we have a really diverse film history in Utah. Um, Kanab is a destination in Utah that's just four miles north of the Arizona border and was known as Little Hollywood because hmm. that's where a lot of the Westerns were filmed back in the day with John Wayne and such. Wow. Um, and so they're still really embracing that traditional cowboy culture um, in Kanab. And it's a really unique opportunity. Um, everything from north, you've got really cool movies. Movies like Footloose was filmed out in Lehigh, Utah, and you can well, see Helic, where can Kevin we hang Bacon. there for just a little minute because <laughs> yeah. all of us, all of us, love and know Footloose. It, did yes. it put Utah on the map, or did Utah put Footloose on the map, Selena? Um, I would say that definitely. Maybe Footloose put Utah on the map a little bit. There, it's not necessarily called out as. Utah is the destination, but you can still travel and see the school and such where it was filmed. Oh, fantastic. And are you required to do that dance to join the tourism department there? <laughs> I mean, kick off I your Sunday see, shoes. Yeah, that's lying right. if I said I did not I did not see tourists out there doing a dance in front of the school. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, um, Selena, yeah. I think for a lot of Australians, um, Utah probably uh, got on their radar around the Winter Olympics that were held in Salt Lake City in 2002, I think. Can you mm-hmm. can you yep. describe um, Salt Lake City? What what it, what's like? How big it is, um, and what there is to offer visitors? Yeah. So when I think of Salt Lake City, kind of what comes to mind is how it's perfectly placed. It's pretty much an ideal location for starting a road trip south towards Utah's Mighty Five National Parks or heading north towards Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. 
got incredible access to its ski resorts that are four of which are less than 30 minutes away. And that is just really describing what it starts out as, but for Salt Lake City itself, I really, it's a destination. Mm -hmm. It's home to everything from Temple Square, which is the center for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. to the Utah Jazz, which is our NBA team. It's got a really vibrant downtown scene. You've got a lot of residents that are living in downtown Salt Lake City. So on any given night, you've got people out and about and doing things, as well as local performing arts, heritage, as well as craft brewing and distilling happening in Salt Lake City. Wow. And the the lake itself, the Great Salt Lake, is that kind of the center of activities for the locals? Do they get out on it? Do they skate on it in winter and sail on it in summer? So the Great Salt Lake is actually best accessed by locals through one of our 44 state parks that we have in Utah, and that is called Antelope Island State Park. It's the largest island on the Great Salt Lake and is accessible via car Hmm. um, on a causeway. And so for me, why we go out to Antelope Island is one, there's great recreation out there between hiking and biking trails, but it's also the best way to view the Great Salt Lake and its vastness as a whole. Hmm. In addition, they have about 700 bison that call the island home that are really fun to get out and take a look at. So it's just an extraordinary, how, how should people get around the state generally? So Salt, um, Utah as a whole is really accessible via car. You're going to find really easy driving, even in our downtown setting. It's not necessarily an issue of traffic. We really have great roadways set up and where you can access it yourself at your leisure. And, and touring, coach touring, so you just you don't even have to think about anything. You just get taken to the most beautiful parts of Utah. Yeah, we have amazing operators that are working through Utah and working with our office to better understand those kind of, you know, what's next and expanding itineraries out and beyond um, and always looking for something new. So, Selena, um, the, the length of stay, the the most desirable length of stay, do you think, in Utah to, to make the most of all that extraordinary country that you are talking about? Yeah, definitely would recommend a minimum of seven days if you're if you're going to try and hit the state from north to south. And that is kind of, again, really focusing on an emphasis of kind of taking your time and experiencing the destinations. We want visitors to do more than just step out into the national park, take the picture and leave. Utah is really experiential in any of our state parks national recreation areas and our national parks, you're going to find incredible hiking activities that include mountain biking, ATVing, et cetera. And we want visitors to be in the destination experiencing what us locals get to, you know, live with. So if Julia and I were on a road trip through Utah and we're um, kind of trying to tick off and visit a number of the the lakes and the lesser known lakes, where can you tell mm-hmm. us about some of those? Where would we be heading? So I kind of referenced earlier that we have these state parks. We have 44 that are located inside Utah. And the one I'd recommend for you guys is Bear Lake State Park. Even the names are just enough to make you want to go. I know. It is known as the Caribbean of the Rockies because it's turquoise blue in color. Wow. Yeah. Can you imagine in the western part of the United States, there is this gorgeous aqua blue oasis. Wow. Just talking about the American Indian color, uh, culture, how much of that is evident in Utah and who are the tribes who were there? 
So we are really fortunate to have a portion of the Navajo Tribal Park located in Utah, and we share that on the border between Utah and Arizona. Uh, incredible history and really iconic Monument Valley. Yeah, you know, we were talking about yes. films earlier. You want to say to me the most Utah film history moment is Forrest Gump when he's running down the road and he stops and decides that he thinks he's going to go home now. Wow. That scene is at Monument Valley. Wow. Oh, of course. Yes, because that and Monument that the 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 site of Monument Valley is just a very beautiful thing. You also did yeah. have Planet of the Apes and Thelma and Louise as we get back to movies. Yeah, Thelma and, and Louise was actually filmed in a state park as well, where they went off, where they went off straight into the canyon, and of course the and other they did send it off. <laughs> beautiful, iconic movie that was there, and everybody loved mm-hmm. was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, all all there because the 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 state of Utah is so incredibly beautiful. Yeah, that movie is celebrating its fiftieth anniversary oh, this gosh. year. Can you believe that? Wow. It was a goodie, wasn't it? And and they were great yeah. there, all there. So yeah. a, apart from all we travellers, Selena, the movie stars must have loved Utah as well. So we host the annual Sundance Film Festival each year in Park City still to this day. So there is still a vibrant movie culture in Utah. Gosh, and what's that like in Park City when the festival's on? It's a really fun time to be around, not only in Park City, but the surrounding areas as well, including films in Salt Lake. Um, you've got some really cool private screenings that happen at the Sundance Resort, which is Robert Redford's personal private resort. Mm-hmm. And so there, there are a lot happening in and around the area at the time. And is a good celebrity and star spotting? <laughs> Would be. Yep. There is a, you can, do, especially now with Instagram, oh. you can kind of find them a little bit easier. <laughs> do you mean stalk them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I think just seeing Robert Redford mm. would be enough. That would be a moment. And in fact, we talk, Selena, about moments that you have when you're traveling and it's just one thing that stands out and it doesn't have to be big, but um, just something that, that makes your heart beat a little faster. Um, what's been your moment in, in Utah? So my moment in Utah, while there is many gorgeous, vast vistas and places, for me, my moment is the people who call Utah home. <sighs> You're not going to find a more diverse group of people who are so welcoming and hospitable. It's the kind of thing where you're at the gas station filling up gas as you're on your road trip and you've got a local that stops by, asks you where you're from and wants to tell you about their hidden secrets as a local that they want you to explore. And to me, I think that makes all the difference when you have the locals that are willing to, you know, embrace our visitors. Wow. That sounds very good. It it sounds like one of the most welcoming, wonderful places. Hey, Selena, I, I really want one, one quick question. Um, is there yeah. is there like a, a specialty uh, dish or snack or is there some kind of iconic Salt Lake City food or Utah food that we should try when we're on our road trip? So for us, it's a funny one. It, <laughs> is, <laughs> it is based around um, what is referred to as funeral potatoes. Oh. And they're a really common dish that is made here for funerals. And what I've loved about it is that our restaurants have taken on a really unique spin to them and started adding their own 
thoughts and unique aspects to them, as well as like deep frying them and adding different kinds of dishes to include within it. And so I kind of like that take on, you know, a more historic pioneer culture into Utah's current dining scene. Wow. Would you call it a dish to die for, (laughs) Selena? Yeah, I would actually. (laughs) Now, where can we find out um, more about you and Utah? Yeah, I would love it for everybody to take in and kind of explore deeper into what we talked about today, whether it's our national parks, our state parks, our ski resorts, and all that information can be found on www.visitutah.com. Great. We'll put all of that info in the in the show notes um, for everyone, yeah, Selena. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Selena, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. You've just thrown uh, Ben and I into an absolute tease mm, because... Another curveball. Uh, yeah. what, a, what a beauty. By Friday, we're going to have to go, Ben. We Absolutely. cannot live a minute longer with that Fantastic. visit in Utah. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. Yes, we're there. No, you'll need to come. Let me know if we've inspired you all to travel. Oh, right you here. indeed have. <laughs> Selena, thank you very much. Oh. It's been an enormous pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Selena. Thank you. Thank you both. You know what? Now we've got a wonderful guest, Bethany Drysdale. Mm-hmm. She's the Chief Communications Officer at Travel Nevada. Great. You know how much we talked about Nevada and how we loved it. Mm-hmm. And she's going to tell us about everything we can see and do in the Silver State. That's what it's called. Bethany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey, Bethany, I've never heard of um, Nevada being referred to as the Silver State. Can you tell us where that name comes from? Yeah, it's because we were the site of very large um, silver discoveries. But what's interesting is we are actually the largest gold producer in the U.S. So even though we're known for silver, we produce the most gold out of the whole United States. Now, can I just ask you a question? If you're a big silver producing state as well, has that influenced the American Indian jewellery Yeah, actually, we have a lot of um, gemstones and other minerals mined here, which has all contributed to the jewelry. You know, everybody thinks of turquoise and silver, and Mm -hmm. that's very much found here. Um, We mine a lot of opal, which, of course, you know, Australians um, have their own opal as well. But we mine a lot of opal, um, a lot of um, garnet and turquoise here. And that all plays into the American Indian jewelry. There you go. It's my favourite jewellery in the whole absolutely world. absolutely loves it. I think yes. she's booking her flight right now. Well, the looks of things. I have my Navajo earrings on today. I heard you coming down the corridor. Yeah. <laughs> with their turquoise. Yeah. Um, there's so much to see and do in, in Nevada, though, uh, Bethany. Can we start with a place that everybody knows about and talks about, which is Las Vegas? Yeah. Well, you're right. Everybody knows about it. Everybody talks about it. I think everybody's been there. So... <laughs> I think the best things are actually just outside of Las Vegas. It's easy to get to Las Vegas. You know, flights are are coming in every day from all over the world. So it's easy to get to. But then when you're there, the best part is renting a car and getting outside of the city. Um, We have some of the most stunning landscapes right around Las Vegas. Um, Red Rock Canyon is a really well-known rock climbing area. Um, hiking and biking and all sorts of stuff. Oh, that would be um, so good. There's mm. the, yeah, it's really stunning. Um, the Colorado River is nearby. And, of course, you know, we claim the Grand Canyon, even though technically it's not in Nevada. <laughs> um, but you get there from Nevada. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, you know, for those who are staying in Las Vegas, I think downtown Las Vegas is the place to go. It's got um, that really vintage Vegas vibe to it. Drinks are still cheap. <laughs> you know, meals are cheap. Um, it's just a very kind of live and let live atmosphere there. And it's not nearly as crowded as the Strip. So if we were, sorry, Julie, if we were staying on the Strip, for example, how do we get to that old downtown area? Well, it's a couple of miles, but not miles that you want to walk. So you can <laughs> hop in a, um, you know, public bus, a taxi, um, Uber and Lyft, of course, operate everywhere. Um, and it's only, like I said, a couple of miles. So it'll take you 15, maybe 20 minutes with traffic. Okay, easy peasy. Now, is is that all a downtown part that you're talking about, the old part? Is it now all under glass, like it's in an arcade to be protected? Or is that, that just old Las Vegas? No, it's just old Las Vegas, which is so cool. You know, you, there's still bars that are just like they've been forever. One of my favorite is called Atomic Liquor. <laughs> and it's called that because back in the days of testing atomic bomb out in the desert, people would go up on the rooftop of this bar and watch the bombs explode in the desert, wow. which is just crazy to me. It is amazing. But, uh, yeah. it's, it is amazing. Um, and celebrities, you know, that would perform in um, the old showrooms on the Strip, they would go there for drinks, you know, after their shows. And so it's got a lot of really old, glamorous history, but it's still just like it was, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Wow. See, that'd be the wonderful part to yeah. see as opposed to maybe the new part. Even though there are 62,000 hotel rooms in Las Vegas and just casinos everywhere. And I think the most amazing thing is when you get off your plane at the airport and you're walking through, the first thing you met with are poker machines <laughs> in the airport. Mm -hmm. So you could stop yeah. and win or lose your fortune before you even collect your luggage. I let it go, Ben. I didn't go. Win your fortune, I hope. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. My my first experience was driving in from um from California at nighttime and seeing that glow of the city and the that amazing um the tower of light that comes out of the top of the Luxor Casino and Hotel. I think it is. That was a pretty astonishing experience seeing it that way. It's a crazy place, yeah. but there's when you say out of town, going out of town is probably better. There's also a notion that. Um, there's a lot of ghost towns and UFO sightings in Nevada. That sounds even more interesting. Can you just give us a little bit of information about that? Yeah. Um, Nevada was really founded by people coming out and trying to earn their fortune in the gold and silver and you know various other mines. So we have a lot of these boom and bust towns. They boomed in the early 1900s, and then when the mines dried up, they busted and people just left. And because of our really dry atmosphere here, the towns are really well preserved. So you can drive out what feels like in the middle of nowhere and find these wonderful old ruins of buildings. Um, some of them still quite ornate because people just really left. They didn't take anything with them. So um, really, really beautiful old ghost towns. Um, and of course, our UFOs, we, we are the home of Area 51. Uh -huh. yeah. And I think that is probably what explains the weird lights that people see in the sky. But hey, I don't know. It could be something else. Yeah, you would say that, Bethany, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, yes it's, it's famous for down there. Haven't people just disappeared, Bethany, and come back and said, I've just been on the most amazing trip? <laughs> <laughs> Just, yes, it's I would hope yeah. so. Yes, 
It does sound to me like a lot of that old uh, Nevada and Las Vegas is absolutely purpose-built for Instagram. So a lot of people don't realize that Nevada is actually the most mountainous state in the lower 48. So along with mountains come rivers and lakes and really, really lush backdrops that people don't expect to find in Nevada. Um, And along with those ghost towns, you know, people like to drive out. Road trips are really the way to get around. Um, But people like to drive out and take photos of these ghost towns. There's one um, called Rhyolite Mm -hmm. that actually, you know, along with the the wonderfully um, preserved buildings, there's a art exhibit there and it's these life-size sculptures just strewn throughout the desert in front of this town. Um, they make really, really great Instagram photos. We get a lot of people that drive out there. It's only about two hours from Las Vegas. So it's an easy drive, um, and wonderful, wonderful Instagram photos. Sounds like you could do a whole bunch of fascinating sort of day road trips out based out, you know, base yourself in Las Vegas or somewhere else and just hit the road and explore. Be fascinating. Yeah. We really push that, um, throughout Nevada. Uh, we have several um, named road trips throughout the state. Uh-huh. Um, the one that we kind of call the Las Vegas Neon to Nature is a lot of what we've been talking about, the, um, you know, leaving the neon of Las Vegas and getting out into nature. Um, so, yeah, we really, um, we expect people to to explore. If you're coming to Nevada, you better have the spirit to explore and, and discover what's out there. Mm. Now, you're in Carson City, actually, Bethany, aren't you? What's what's up around that part of, of Nevada? Carson City is the state capital, uh, and we're about 20 minutes from Reno, uh, three hours east of San Francisco, if that kind of gets uh-huh. your geography um, uh-huh. centered. And then we're right by Lake Tahoe, and that's where a lot of um, uh, Bonanza took place, as well as Virginia City. That's where the main town was when they would ride their horses into town. That's Virginia City. And it still looks like that. It's still wooden sidewalks and saloons on every corner. It's it's fantastic. How fabulous. He was a bossy old bugger, wasn't he, the father (laughs) in Bonanza? Yes, I loved him. (laughs) (laughs) Lorne Green, I think his name was. That was a crazy mother. But speaking of green, um, up where you are, it must with around Lake Taco and what you were saying, it's a very lush country. Um, just paint us a little picture of that part of, of it. Sure. Um, you're right. It, it's very green. Um, again, people don't usually associate that with Nevada, so that's always the most fun surprise. Uh, Lake Tahoe spans the border with California, mm-hmm. and it's surrounded by mountains. Um, the mountain range is called the Sierra Nevada, which actually means the snow-capped mountains. Uh-huh. Um, so right now they're covered with snow, and we have some wonderful um, winter recreation happening up here. In the summer, there's golf and there's you know activities on the lake. Um, it's just a very outdoorsy area, despite our kind of gaming rec- reputation. Mm. Um, there's a lot of outdoor recreation that happens up here. Bethany, Julia is a very, very keen skier, although I think even more keen on the apres ski side of things. Oh. Um, can you tell us about the skiing scene around Lake Tahoe? Could I just say I'm interested in the atomic bomb oh, liquors? Too. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bar. Can you get blown uh, up with one of those? Well, <laughs> we have 18 ski resorts around wow. Lake Tahoe, oh. and that spans the California and Nevada side. Um, what's so cool about the ski resorts here? is they're all just right around the lake. So some of the runs, you feel like you're running right into Lake Tahoe. Oh, that would be um, good. The, the, 
the towns are right by the ski resorts. So if you have people in your family or in your friends group that don't want to ski, or maybe they've gotten their fill by lunch and they want to go do something else, it's very easy to do that here. And that's something I appreciate. I am a terrible skier. <laughs> um, opera ski is definitely where I excel. Um, so, um, so I like to go with my friends, you know, and I might go on the mountain for a run or two and then I'll go somewhere else and we can all meet up again for lunch or we can um, get together at dinner. There's, you know, nightlife. It's not like everything closes right at five o'clock. Which, so, um, which moves I, us on over yes. to food and drink in Nevada, Bethany. Tell us about that. What are the locals eating and drinking and what should travelers try? You mentioned opera ski. Around here, you know, cocktails are king. <laughs> we have a couple of um, estate distilleries, which are kind of a new thing in the U.S., but they're beginning to pop up. And these are distilleries that make everything right on site. They grow their own grains and they um, they produce everything on site. Wow. Um, so wonderful, you know, craft cocktails are a big thing here. That's what people are drinking. We love our um, homegrown bourbon. Um we also have a really, really strong Basque culture here, and that's the you know the region, the south of France and and northern Spain. They um, the Basque people came to Nevada and settled here, oh. and brought of course their way of life with them. Um, so we have these wonderful Basque dining houses where you go and the meal is an absolute feast. You don't want to eat for about three days before one of these meals. Um, wow. What, they and, and bring what would, out. What would they typically serve? What would one of those those feasts look like? What kind of food? Everything is served family style and it's beans and French fries and salad and bread and um, just multiple different sides. And then you get your main course, which is generally either lamb or beef or um, sometimes fish. Um, you must order it Basque style, which means that it comes heaped with roasted garlic on top. Um, <laughs> you won't eat for three days and you won't talk to anybody for three days, but, um, but it's wonderful. And then um, in Nevada, we actually have a Basque cocktail. It's, it's specific here. I've, I've been to France and asked around there and nobody there has heard of it. So mm. I think it's very specific to the Nevada Basque but it's called the pecan punch and it's um, P-I-C-O-N, not like pecan, like the nut. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like a bitter orange um, grenadine cocktail with a brandy floater on top. Really strong, but really tasty. I'm just going to ask you one last question. Ben and I talk about it all the time. Um, When you're traveling or when you're somewhere, you have moments of of um, disbelief or beauty or whatever it is. You just you're just amazed with something where you are. Do you have one of Nevada? Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Um, For you, gosh, I I'm going to just mention one that absolutely astounds me when I go there. We have a, a national park called Great Basin National Park. And it has a grove of bristlecone pine trees. And it is so stunning to me to stand next to something and put my hand on this tree that is, you know, 4,000, 5,000 years old. Oh, wow. These are the oldest living things on earth. Wow. Um, and they're, That's they are found in various places in the U.S. But just the, the awe-inspiring thought that here I am, you know, me at 41 years old and who knows, you know, with other travelers – standing and touching something that is 5,000 years old and still alive is truly stunning. 
That's that, a pretty good moment. That's a pretty good moment. It's, it's nearly unbeatable, that one. Ama- amazing. Um, we've learned so, that there's so much more to Nevada than just Las Vegas, right? Absolutely. In yeah. fact, that's right down on the list in a way. <laughs> Bethany, um, where can our listeners find out more about Nevada? We keep it really easy. It's travelnevada.com and you can find all that information and road trips and everything else. Travelnevada.com. I'm going there. I'm done. I'm now, packed. I'm ready yes. to go. Yep. Wait, yeah. <laughs> wait, ski with me, Ben. Don't do just the app. I'll just wait for you right? with my pecan punch, I think, <laughs> might be the way to go. Down by the lake. I'll see you later, Julia. Bethany, see you there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, listeners, we're very lucky because our next guest is KJ Howe from Vegas Valley Winery the only winery in Las Vegas, and welcome to the show, KJ. Now, can you tell us when travellers come into the area that what they can do when they visit you and how they find you? Well, uh, number one, we have a very comprehensive website, the Vegas Valley Winery, lasvegas.com. And, but n- number one, uh, we're located uh, in the eastern part of the Las Vegas Valley in the town of Henderson, which is about 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, depending on traffic, from the famous Las Vegas Strip. And when you come here, we have a, uh, a, a nice uh, tasting room, a wine-tasting lounge is what we call it. And uh, we uh, offer uh, eight uh, different wines and, uh, and some hard cider as well. So we're allowed to do not only make wine and retail it, but also hard cider, which is made from fruit and that's one of the rules that you had to make whatever you did you uh it comes under the major heading of fruit so we uh we found out that heck we could make some cider too and so that's uh, an addition to our offering of the uh various wines here from whites to rosés to full-bodied reds well now we're not used to i think we don't think of of Las Vegas being an area for wine, um, and once they visited you, can you tell us a little bit about wine in the states? Uh, more in Nevada as well, Montana and Utah too. Is there much wine growing going on other than your good selves? Well, you, you might be you might not realize this, but there are grapes grown in every state in the United States. Now, obviously, some of them are just starting up and then a new, but wine consumption in the U.S. has exploded. And agricultural people and the viticulturalists in particular uh, were experimenting for some time with the growing uh, wine grapes. And once that there was a market for it, they just added to their uh, inventory. And uh, in Utah and in a in Arizona and New Mexico, Texas and the hill country has exploded with uh, grape uh, production. And uh, Montana, they, they're growing some grapes up there. As a matter of fact, we did a, uh, a uh, experiment for uh, one of the wineries in Utah recently with some Cabernet Sauvignon and some Cabernet Franc. And uh, we were very, very surprised at the quality of the grapes. They had uh, very, very high bricks. Um, and uh, excellent acids, so they had good balance. And we'll be interested to see how that uh, weathers the elevage or aging storm uh, in the next uh, four or five months to see how it's uh, coming along. But that's an exception because the, the, both Utah and uh, and Montana, uh, 
not that much is under cultivation, really, uh, compared with, let's say, Washington and Oregon and California, Texas and Arizona and, and New Mexico. So, yeah, because I was going to ask you about, you know, when, when you think of Las Vegas, you, you pretty much think of cocktails and tequila and the like. So the light... The, and it still it, goes. It still goes. But um, so then when you arrive in Las Vegas or when people do, what are they drinking there and how does wine fit into the Las Vegasian culture? There's a new word for you, KJ. Las Vegasian. Well, you know, you you still have you still have all the uh, the tequilas and, and and the vodkas and the infused infused liquors now. Like there is a company right nearby where our production area here that brings in uh, whiskey from Ireland and then they infuse it with a banana extract. And it's a big thing now among uh, mixologists uh, in mixed drinks. And mixed drinks have uh, always been high here, but now they've taken off again in another direction. Can you got to explain because, that again? Uh, Bananas in whiskey. Is that what you said? Yes, in, in Irish whiskey. And it's a company here in town. And they, and they don't even have a tasting room. They sell direct. So between <laughs> the wine industry and the... Uh, and the the, the uh, you know the infused vodkas and the, all the rest of the uh, the spirits. And now you have whiskey being being aged in wine barrels and wine being aged in whiskey barrels. Wow! And that gives it different. And that's a big deal right now. I bet. And so you have all this cross pollination among the spirits nationwide. And frankly, a lot of it started in Europe. But once it gets here, it goes like wildfire because everybody is trying to be the biggest, latest, newest fad uh, uh, cocktail or wine offering. And we have a, a profusion of people who want us to, uh, in, a, in the Grape Expectation School, who want us to uh, uh, age their wine in whiskey barrels or something. We even have a coffee maker who ages coffee beans in one of our wine barrels. So. There's lots going on in the industry, and fortunately, we're in the leading edge of that at, at the Vegas Valley Winery. Let me ask you also about food and the pairings of wine. What are you suggesting for people when they arrive in your part of the world? Well, uh, you know, here in the West, Western part of the United States, well, it doesn't matter anywhere in the United States. The big cookouts are a big thing, and, you know, uh, burgers on the grill, on the barbie, as you call it, uh, are a big thing. My favorite is a uh, medium rare ribeye steak uh, right off the grill uh, with a mushroom, sauteed mushrooms with garlic and olive oil and, and a little lemon pepper and, and uh, some shallots maybe and a, maybe a little bit of red wine in there and let it simmer down and drizzle that over a medium rare ribeye steak and open up a bottle of Old Ghost Zinfandel, old vine Zinfandel from Lodi, California, and uh, yeah, that's one of the my favorite favorite offerings. And uh, sometimes uh, I even have a big red bold red wine with a fish too, because I'm of the opinion that you don't have to drink white with white fish and red with red meat. You know, there's if you if your taste buds like it, drink it with the food that you like. Don't I don't like being held down to a ceremony or something that some wine critic has decided that they know what's better for my palate than I do. And so I always tell everybody that. But drink what you like 
And if it costs uh, uh, $5 or if it costs $500, if you like it, then drink it. I mean, it doesn't matter. But uh, barbecue and Zinfandel, to me, go hand in glove. That sounds pretty amazing too, which which leads me on to if any Aussies want to get hold of your wine, can they do so easily and how do they go about it? Well, it's it's uh, presently we can, we do not ship, okay? Now, right. that's down the road as we evolve, as is only two years into our operation, and pretty much now we serve by the glass and we can sell by the bottle so people can take some home. But eventually, uh, as things evolve, we'll be shipping. And uh, But number one, it takes a long time for grapes to grow. And we have a lot of grapes under cultivation or a number of grapes under cultivation within the state of Nevada. And we want to have Nevada wine from Nevada grapes as a major uh, offering here at Vegas yes. Valley Winery. Yes. We all- and 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 then at that point we'll be able to uh, you know start that uh, shipping worldwide. But for now you have to come to Las Vegas and visit us, and it's a it's a ten or twelve fifteen minute little jaunt out of the away from the strip and into the Vegas Valley Winery. And uh, we'd love to meet some of your listeners here. Believe me. Uh, yes, I was just thinking. Well, if you if we can't get your wine here, then we do absolutely need to come and meet you and have another yak about uh, all things wine and ribeye. I, I, I want to see a preponderance of people from Australia coming through here and say that they heard this chat. Yes, <laughs> we have. You know, you'd be surprised as how, how many people do indeed from from uh, from Europe and from uh, Asia and from uh, New Zealand and Australia that do show up on our on our, foot, our doorsteps here. And, and of course, we can pick up the accent right away, and sometimes we mistake it for British, but it's, we, we can get the Australian accent pretty quick now. Well, and, we- uh, it, it's, awful. it's fun to, uh, to have, them, have you visit and, uh, because, you know, you, you make some wonderful wines down there as well. Yeah, we do. Um, um, but we'll be on our way as a result of talking to you. It sounds absolutely wonderful. Now, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us again what the website is so our listeners can find out more about Vegas Valley Winery. Yes, it, it's, it's uh, www.vegasvalleywinery.com. Thank you very much. It's been amazing to talk to you. Ben, you know what? This is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however... It's up there. uh, It is, isn't it? Mm. Enough to fill the travel soul, I Mm -hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm. Yes. Mm. And you're good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye.